Good morning. Well, I hope all of you, like me, were just so refreshed with that time of worship and just being able to give glory to God and acknowledge who he is and uh, <clears throat> the huge gap between him and his throne and where where we are. And we should be glad about that. We should be glad about I I love the thought that an eternity with him is not long enough to get to know everything about him. I love that. So uh, for the ages to come, as we are going to be with him, and the Bible even says we'll know all things, one thing I can guarantee you we won't know to the greatest degree is just the amazing depth, the love, the grace of our Father. It will just continue to unfold before us. And it does today. So isn't that wonderful? But over the last couple of weeks, uh, Jesse and Peter, and now this morning myself, uh, trying to talk about how God does empower us to do his will. There's a huge gap between us and him, but we can get a lot closer if we allow him to work through us than we can in our own strength and in our own efforts. And uh, it, it is challenging to know that God calls us to live a holy and righteous life, which I want to talk about uh, this morning. But here's, and hopefully I can uh, add on to what Jesse and Peter have shared about, here's one thing we need to understand. Everything that God calls us to do, he fulfills in us. He doesn't just say, Bruce, get out here and do this, and Peter, go and do this, and, and on we can go. He, as he calls us, so he empowers us to do the very thing he's called us to do. And this morning when we're talking about righteousness, if God calls us to live a righteous life, and he does, he also, through his spirit in Christ, <coughs> empowers us to do that. So somehow we've got to unlock this, call it a mystery, if you like. See, one of the reasons why the scriptures teach us Christ's commandments is so that we can walk in them. And I don't know if, if you're like me, you think, oh, wow, uh, you read some of them and you think, give me a break. But God did and has and does and will give us a break to do this. So... <clears throat> What we can say is partly we say we know all we really are and we know that our weaknesses and failings often get in the way of our best efforts. Two or three days ago, there's three people living in my home. There's me, Linda and Melanie. And when Linda and Melanie went to bed early, there was half a packet of chippies left in the um, pantry. And I assured them they'd still be there in the morning. And incredibly, you know, when we all got up in the morning, the packet's empty and the empty packet's in the rubbish bin. Now, there's quite a debate over who ate them. And um, they claim, of course, they were in bed sleeping. Now, I'm not admitting it was me. We don't have a dog, which is a bit of a shame. So... Some of, some of those things, but somebody anyway in, in our home, uh, exhibited some weakness. The very thing that we say we're not gonna do, we did. So we'll leave that one to be sorted out later. But see, here's the problem. Or here's the bad news. Concentrating on our fallenness 
we all know we have a fallen nature. Call it our sin consciousness, if you like. Concentrating on that cannot get us to the place God would have us live from. It doesn't get us there. The good news is that there is a better way available to overcome our fallenness, to be free from sin, is to not to constantly focus on it, but to overcome it by embracing or putting on the righteousness Christ has gained for us. Christ has gained for us. I don't know how many of you have tried fasting. And uh, you get walking down the street and the smell comes out of the baker's shop and you just think, oh my gosh, and next thing you're in that. No, of course you're not. (laughs) But see, if we concentrate on, I'm not eating food today. I'm going to ignore my hunger. I'm not eating food. I love food, but today I'm not eating it. Most of us will fail. But if we concentrate on this, I am not eating today because God has given me a burden for this or I'm seeking something for this or I'm trying to attain this. That's why I'm not eating. Food's not the focus anymore. The focus is what it is that God is saying to us, calling us to and wanting to the place he's wanting to get us to through our fasting. And we'll get there. In that sense, we'll get there. See, in Romans 10, 1 to 3, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Paul's talking about his Jewish brothers and sisters. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. They had a passion and a hunger for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. See, if we try and establish our own righteousness, it always falls short of God's requirements because God says our righteousness are as what before him? Are as filthy rags. Now we can see, well, that's a bit tough. What hope have I got? And what God is saying and what Paul is saying through these scriptures is you're not understanding. God's made righteousness available to you, but it's not through your own strength. He has made righteousness available to you, which is the righteousness of God. And that's what I want you to put on. Now, if you want to wear a really nice coat to a particular place you're going to and you don't have one, you can't wear one. But the sad thing is if it's hanging up in your closet or in your wardrobe and you don't put it on and say, I just want to be clothed in this coat, it's just hanging up there not being used. The tragedy is it was there all the time and you didn't wear it. And this is what's so important here. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he, you, all those here in Christ today, are a brand new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. See, we've got to get this. With the resurrection of Christ, 
and the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the infilling infilling of the Holy Spirit, making not the temple built of stones and bricks and, and mortar, but the temple being human flesh, that's you and my body. With that becoming the temple of the Holy Spirit, God created and put on planet Earth a whole new race of people that have never walked this earth before. So 2,000 years ago, God created a whole new race of people. He even gave them a name. He called them the church. And never before has this planet had a whole race of people on it that have been empowered by Christ and by his Holy Spirit in such a way that not only can they produce the will and the purpose of God in their lives, they can transform this entire planet. As I often say, all the things most people only get to complain about, we can change if we are in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. God has already um, already willed it that the change on planet Earth, Ephesians 3, 10 to 12, is going to come primarily through whom? The church. We can say, well, no, 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 Jesus transforms us. Yes, and he does work through that, but Psalm 110, and we can go through so many scriptures, Jesus says, I transform this earth, I transform marriages, I transform people's lives, I transform the economy and the ecology and all of those things through extending my scepter. Who is his scepter according to Psalm 110? The church. He extends his right hand of power, and that's us. So never before has this planet been in the place where ordinary people, which is you and I, living here today, ordinary people can produce God's perfect will on this planet. And in fact, Romans 8 says the planet cries out for it and says, come on, rise up and do the will of God and watch what happens. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We, we need to meditate on what this says. Jesus who knew no sin was made sin. Why? For the reason so that we, you and I, become God's righteousness on this earth in Christ. We become the righteousness of God in Christ. So if people say, where can you find the righteousness of God today? Say, go and find a born again, spirit filled believer and there is the righteousness of God right there. See, this is an incredible trade. It's better than anything you'll find on Trade Me, I promise you. Jesus takes our sin upon himself and exchange, he gives us back his righteousness. So you need to say with to me, say with me, 
I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us that. And if we say, oh, well, not really, not me. God is saying, don't desecrate what I did through my son 2,000 years ago. It wasn't for him. It wasn't for me. It was for you. He did it. Sin consciousness gets focused on feelings. I feel unclean. I feel a failure. I feel this. I feel that. Yes, that's why you need a saviour. Yes, that's why God's mercies need to be new every morning. Yes, that's why the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from sin. Not has cleaned us from sin, cleanses us from sin. It is a beautiful, ongoing, wash clean process. And as he cleanses us from sin, he puts a new robe of righteousness, his righteousness upon us every minute of every day. We just have to wear it. See, we need to have a whole new conversation that I am this, I didn't do this, I failed that. We can now say, God, I want to accept this. I believe you have done this. I'm going to accept it. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4.24, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God, hear that, isn't that amazing? And the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. See, this new self is here for us to put on. The righteousness that comes with it puts us back into a proper place in God. See, sin not only separates us from God, it gives us a wrong perspective of who he is. Let me give you an example. You're renting a home, and you're a month behind in the rent. Who is the last person you want on your doorstep at that time? The landlord. He is the last person you want to see. Because all you can think about if he does knock on your door, and he might be coming to knock on your door and say, I know you've been having a hard time, so I'm going to forgive all the rent. But all you can think about is, oh no, the landlord's here. All he'll be here to do is collect the rent. Let's hide under the bed and tell the kids to be quiet. And you might miss out on a tremendous blessing the landlord came to bring you. We're the same with God. When we're sin conscious, we think all he is going to do is come and get me and deal with me and punish me and do all of those things. We get a whole wrong or skewed perspective. So if you're in this rented house and your drain is blocked, are you going to ring the landlord? No, you're not. You're not going to go to him with your needs because you feel... You're in debt to him, and that's all he's going to ask for. So you leave your drains blocked, and you suffer as a result of it. Suffer loss. When the debt's paid, and your drain is blocked, 
you call the landlord and you say, not only is my drain blocked and I want it fixed, I want you here tomorrow morning early because this is a gross inconvenience and I've paid my rent, get here and fix the drains. Now, I'm not saying you speak to God like that. Please don't do that. But the issue is, if I know my account is clear with God, if I know my sin and my weakness, and I did eat those chippies, by the way, I need to confess that. (laughs) If I know that that... (laughs) Sorry, Linda and Mel, they're shocked. If I know that that debt has been paid, I can go to landlord my father and say, God, I'm in a place of need right now. And he says, Bruce, my scriptures say, bring all your requests before me because as you walk in my righteousness, I am delighted to fulfill them. And at that point, we can approach his throne with boldness, knowing we're going to receive not his reprimand, but his grace and his love and his welcome. Isn't that fantastic? See, one of the reasons why Satan tries to get us to sin is that it causes us to lose what God has already put into us through the process of transformation. But if we walk in this, listen to what God says, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. Isn't that amazing? See, our righteousness is from God. It's, it's a part of our being that has God in it. So what makes God God has been invested in you and me in Christ. And if we only focus on our failures, we'll never receive the benefit of this. So Peter is in the boat. And I don't want to depart from this but this is so misunderstood about faith. Just let me say this. If you're going to get out of the boat and walk on water, please don't say it's just faith. Please make sure Jesus has called you to do it. That's all I'm going to say about that because it's another whole message. But here's this. Peter's, Peter says, Lord, I'd love to do that, walk on water. And Jesus says, so he gets a preceding word. This is important. Peter, come. So Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. Imagine it, wouldn't it be great? But suddenly Peter thinks, human beings don't do this. We can't walk on water. When human beings walk on water, they sink. And so what happens to Peter? He starts to sink. He takes his eye off what God's called him to do because with God's calling comes God's power. With God's calling comes God's enabling. He takes his eyes off the fact that Jesus has called this so water means nothing. And he starts thinking, I can't do this. And he sinks. See, if we keep saying, whatever it is Jesus has called me to, I can't do it because I'm a flawed human being, we won't be able to do it. 
But if we can say, I have received a call from God and I can do it regardless of the elements or whatever else might be against me, I know it's just going to happen. We are now empowered to change everything around us. So in order to gain Christ's righteousness... All I have to do after receiving him is believe and agree that this is what God has gained for me by putting Christ and the cross on my place and then the amazing New Testament promise that you and I have been energized and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the works of God can take place. I don't care who you think you are. It's not about you. It's about who Jesus is and what took place when you became one of his sons or daughters in Christ. See, the devil wants to stop this because he knows that once we start to walk in this and become conscious of our inherited righteousness, we will walk right through the door of the supernatural. So I did a wedding I'd been a Christian three years, three and a half years, for a dear couple who used to attend this fellowship, Dave and Sandy Palmer. I did a wedding for them, and after the wedding, we're in the reception. And this guy, there's a commotion over in the far corner, and we're sitting in the reception talking and having fun and feeling very relaxed because the wedding is over. And this guy had died. He'd had a heart condition. He was in his 70s, and he'd collapsed and died. Now, somebody who used to attend this fellowship back in those days. His name was Pat Rolls. Pat Rolls was there, and he says to the people over the phone end of the room, don't worry, Bruce Billington's here. He's an elder in our church, and he'll come over and pray for him, and he'll be fine. So next thing, Pat approaches the table and says, Bruce, this guy's died. There's no pulse. He's not breathing, and, and all of this. So, and all these people were looking at me, and he said, so I've told them you're going to pray for him, and he's going to be fine. So I think you, and sorry, Pat, if you ever hear this, but we've talked about this years back. Thank you, stupid fool. What? You've told them what and what, and I'm, and I'm looking, I think, well, I can't make a run for the door. What am I going to do? So I got this plan, you see. I thought, okay. So I say to um, my wife, get ready to get out of here. We're going soon. I'm just going to do a quick prayer, and then we're off. So we walk over there, and years ago, I used to run a tow truck, and there was no jaws of life, and I rescued, got many dead bodies out of vehicles, unfortunately. So I know what someone looks like when they're dead and when they're dead. So he's dead. (laughs) I don't even know what I prayed. But to my amazement, and everybody else, his body jumps like it's had a whole volt of electricity going through it, and he sits up. And I just stare and stare and stare at this guy. Now, here's the point. We had a wonderful time. He uh, was backslidden, 75, Bernie his name was, and he explained to me what happened when I prayed for him. And I went and had communion with him, and he lived about another 10 years, I think five years. So, And he passed on and went to be with the Lord. Now, here's what I'm saying. I cannot raise people from the dead. I can't do that. You know what? I don't even want to do that. I don't even want to be in that position. But 
If I have the robe of righteousness on me and Jesus wants somebody to be raised from the dead and Jesus told me to do it, even despite my lack of faith and my mumble prayer, it is going to happen because there's no force in the universe that can stop it. And that's it. Some people have special ministries and healings and gifts and all of those things and that's great for them. But others, ordinary people, you and I, just happen to be somewhere as a son or a daughter of the living God and God wants something done and Ephesians 3.10 says he's going to do it through his people so you're it. And he doesn't want you to think, I can't do this, I don't have the power. He knows that. That's why he gave it to you in Christ and clothed you with a robe of righteousness and if his preceding word goes forth, you can do it and if you will do it, you will be amazed what will happen in your life and what God will do through you. And that's our privilege. That's it. Could he do it himself? Of course he could. Probably be a whole heap easier for him. But he wants you and I to have the privilege and the sheer joy of being used by him and feeling that our life is more spectacular than anybody else's on this planet unless they also know Jesus. So, how are we going to do this? We have to live our life saying, that in Christ, the devil has nothing in me. We have to stand before God and say, I am in Christ. And Satan, you have nothing in me. So I'm going to give you three very quick points that will help. So firstly, we need to understand what has been done for us. The best way to do that is by soaking yourself in the scriptures that teach it. There is no better way than to do that. The other way is bringing them alive through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And now we're into praise, we're into worship, we're into obedience, we're into faith, we're into all of those wonderful things. We also need to expect God to use us every day so that Isaiah can say, Jeremiah can say, here I am, God, use me, send me. That's all God needs from you each day. Mean it because you'll be surprised what happens in your life. And I know there's great testimonies already from people here. Each day when you get up in the morning, say, here I am, God, send me. Whatever you want done in the world I live in, send me, empower me. Now, to get rid of some of the negatives, I want to give you three points. The first one is the power of renouncing. Have you renounced the hidden things of shame in your life? Have you brought them somewhere before the cross of God? See, we can easily hide these things, but God already knows they're there. Is there a thought in your heart about anybody or anything that you wouldn't like to be brought into the light? If so, just get used to renouncing things as you walk through your daily life. Don't focus on sin. Don't dwell on them. As the Holy Spirit makes you aware of some things, just get used to renouncing them. Renouncing is powerful. 
just bring it before the Lord and say, Father, forgive me. Father, help me. Father, empower me from this thought, this action, or whatever it is. So we have to remain continually watchful so that nothing arises in our life that would cause us to shame. Shame. Jesus was tempted by all things, which means he got very bad thoughts in his head. Just like you and I do, there is no condemnation for that at all. It even happened to Jesus. The difference was he dealt with them immediately. He just went, that's not with God, from God, bang, and it was gone. Get used to that. Be a good renouncer. Bring sin and weakness into the light. 2 Corinthians 4.2, but we have renounced the things hidden, it's hidden sin. We have renounced the things hidden because of shame. Not walking in the craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's consciousness, conscience in the sight of God. We and some of the people in this fellowship have been involved has just dealt in the last few weeks over a very, very ugly and disappointing incident about a man, he's not from here, but a man, he did come down here and do a um, youth group camp a few years ago. We have just dealt with a whole unfolding depth of sin that this man was in and it resulted in him finally taking his own life. All he needed to do was bring this stuff out of the light, into the light, and say, Jesus, I have a hidden secret. Because the understanding is those things in us are time bombs. And if we have them ticking in us, the enemy will cause them to explode at the time it is going to do the greatest degree of damage to the kingdom of God. So he'll leave them. Tick, 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 until we're in a place where he can cause devastation and then he'll set it off. Deal with it. Go and see somebody. We all have things in our past that we're not proud of, but the blood of Jesus covers those sins once we confess them, bring them before him, and ask him to wash us clean. Oswald Chambers says, Never dull your sense of being your utmost for his highest, your best for his glory. Hidden sin dulls our sense of being able to be used and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The final one that I'm going to do is the issue of surrender. Get used to putting your own will down and doing what you know Jesus requires of you. It requires surrender. If you've got some things in your life that you either can't or you won't surrender, You need to get before God and empower him to release you and set you free. We need to live a life of surrender. Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. If you want to be my disciple, you must give up your right to yourself to me. Now, of course, what we often miss is by doing that is a big trade up. We get more joy, more peace, more adventure, more excitement, more blessing. And we think, oh man, you know, he's constantly asking me, I've got to give up this. I say, no, I'm calling you beyond that to something way better and this thing's getting in the way. 
That's why the Holy Spirit brings conviction. It's not that he wants us to take us down the woodshed and beat the living daylights out of us. He wants us to get up to another level which will bring more joy to us and more fruitfulness to him. That's a loving father. I'm finishing 1 Peter 3.12. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. Who are the righteous? Those who have been clothed with Christ's righteousness. It's not our righteousness. God's eyes Ears, his heart, has turned towards answering our prayers, to walking us through this wonderful journey of life, if only we're prepared to receive what he has done for us. So here's what I want to do in finishing. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up, please. Here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you, and I'm going to make this easy, so you can you can come down the front now, Those of you who know me know I don't prolong altar calls. It's a privilege to come before the living God. It may be fearful with some things in our heart, but he wants to set us free. So I don't prolong altar calls. We've got a wonderful cafe and a beautiful sunny afternoon to all, all go and have fun. So you get one shot at this from me. You get more than that from God, but you get one shot at it from me. I just want to make that distinction. If you've got any sin that's hidden in your life, here's an opportunity to come down the front and have people who love you and love Jesus pray for you and for you to confess it. If you have areas of your life that you've refused to surrender to, it may be just a stumbling block, it may be a small thing, and I'm asking all the rest of you, don't sit there in judgment of who's coming down here for what. But if you have areas in your life like that, have someone come this morning, as you come this morning, have someone pray for you. And stand with you in that. If you've had words spoken over you that are binding you, you're useless, you're no good, you'll never come to anything. If you have words spoken over your life that are binding you, come down the front, have someone pray for you, and they will break those things off you in Jesus' name, and you will find that the power of God is present here this morning to set you free. And finally, if you just want to make a shift from your own righteousness and your own struggles to wearing the righteousness of God. Again, come down the front as we give you the opportunity and have someone pray for you. And then if the way is clear, it's up to you and to me to walk in righteousness. Thank you very much. God bless you.